Report the park at Studio 58, Haley Sales at the Chan Center, the Mad Woman of Shio at UBC, and Rum and Vodka. I play also at UBC. Plus, uh, free tickets to 30 Live tomorrow. Stay with us. Welcome to the Arts Report for October the 6th, 2010. I'm Adam Janusz, and um, you're listening to us on CITR 101.9 FM and online at citr.ca and perhaps on a podcast uh, broadcasting from, from the future. Maybe you're listening to us from there as well. Uh, welcome. Yes. To the future. <laughs> um, in the studio, uh, I have with me uh, Brian Cochran. Hello. Hi. We are going to talk about uh, a show that Brian is directing called Rum and Vodka. Uh, we're also going to learn about how a hippie activist folk singer named Haley Sales is going to save the world. So stay tuned for that. And um, we'll get the scoop on two plays uh, going on. Uh, one at UBC called The Mad Woman of Shio and another one called The Park, uh, which is a musical. A full-length musical at Studio 58. And the Mad Woman of Shio, not only did they come and chat with us, but they also did uh, a scene. They did a short excerpt of uh, their play. So we'll get to hear that, and that will be exciting and fun times. But but first, as I said, we'll learn about rum and vodka from Bar- Brian Cochran. Hello, Brian. Hello. <laughs> I did ask you that already, didn't I? Let's do it. Let's make it three times. Hello, Brian. Hello. I, I didn't think you were asking. <laughs> Greeting. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's true. How are, how are you, Adam? That would be a question. <laughs> that's a question. That qualifies as a question. Okay, so tell me about what rum and vodka is uh, ostensibly on the surface about. Okay, rum and vodka uh, is a solo show by Connor McPherson, and it's about uh, a young guy, a guy in his mid-20s, who's... Uh, got married and had children pretty young and he's finding himself on the road to being just another nine to fiver with a job that he hates uh so that he can pay his mortgage um and so as a result he ends up uh looking for a lot of answers at the bottom of a lot of glasses and then he has an incident at work um that stems from having uh, a couple pints at lunch and then that sends him off on just the ultimate Lost Weekend, Bender to End All Benders, where he goes to an ABBA tribute concert and uh, sort of a debaucherous college house party and uh, has, we stopped counting at 70, he has over 70 drinks Wow! uh, over the course of the, like, not even 72 hours that the story goes through. And uh, it's all to just try to 
to sort out his life. So it's a it's a guy going through something that I guess we've all gone through, which is uh, <laughs> a where, where bender? A, well, not just a mind blowing bender to deal with it, because um, I would never endorse a thing like that. No. But uh, but just that question of uh, where is my life going and am I okay with that mm-hmm. and how did it end up this way? <laughs> how did this happen? How did, how did this here? happen to me? Like one day mm. I was just hanging out and now I've got got this job and I'm tied down to all this stuff that I own. Yeah. Yeah, that sums up my life pretty well. <laughs> no. um, now, this is written by Connor McPherson, which yes. you are a big fan of. Why? Huge fan. Uh, so for me, Connor McPherson is uh, easily one of the best English language playwrights right now. Um, all his work is uh, poetic, and uh, there's, it's sort of a, a lot of the stuff Raman Vogt included is about the inability to articulate, and there's sort of a poetry of... Uh, inarticulacy if that's a word <laughs> and if not sure. it's a prime example of inarticulacy um <laughs> uh he just he 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 writes this very sort of in an image-based language so it's uh his plays are often very simple and this one is about as simple as a play can be it's just a man uh telling a story to the audience but the the images are just transportive yeah mm. so uh, i like that about him quite a bit okay now you are a master's student at ubc yes and You've actually taken, uh, you've started this show out in Saskatoon for the French Festival before it's arrived here on the West Coast. Yes. Um, How did it go there? It went very well. Um, We we were picked best of the fest in uh, Saskatoon's Planet S magazine, which is like the bi-weekly arts rag. Think of like a real poor man's Georgia Strait, <laughs> and that's Planet S magazine. And uh, and we were a bit polarized too. So the other paper, uh, the other paper did not react as as favorably. Uh, but I actually like it when it's split down the middle because at least you're provoking some sort of reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the crowds were big. Uh, people were really excited about it. Uh, Jem Rolls, who is a, a totally lunatic Scottish performance poet, he really liked it, and he's mm-hmm. sort of the fringe festival tour veteran these days is, so yeah. for for the gem rolls endorsement alone i'd say it was a success <laughs> there you go and uh there is a warning of strong language and mature content it's, it's not a warning it's a promise aha <laughs> why is that uh you know i think people are scared enough to go to the theater um that i don't want to put a warning of anything in front of it oh, um, I see, I see. we're all grown-ups this is nothing you haven't heard before mm-hmm. um and it's employed poetically and purposefully <laughs> Right. So, uh, so I would prefer to call it a guarantee. And there is lots, lots of mature content and a good dose of strong language, for sure. Which, which kind of brings to mind, I mean, why are you into that? No. But, uh, strong language? It, yeah, and uh, mature content. Overly. No, no, no. <laughs> but the, 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 question, the real question I have is, um, you know, as a, as a director, what, what do you see in this play? Or, or what's one thing that you would like to uh, highlight or, or pull out of the script and, and, and emphasize? Wow, that's a great question. Um, well, for this play, I guess what I wanted to emphasize was, the, yeah, just sort of this, how do we deal with the transition from uh, teenager to young adult to full-fledged adult? And when do we, because I don't know, I mean, I'm only 26, I'm about to turn 27, so I'm pretty young. I still think of myself as pretty young, but like, growing up, you think there's going to be this moment, this magical moment in your 20s somewhere where it's like, okay, I've now I've got the job I'm going to have for th- 30 years and now I've got the house and the, the marriage or sort of all that stuff that you're conditioned or at least you certainly see a lot of it growing up um, and it's about, you know, does that moment ever arrive? Is there that one mm-hmm. moment? And uh, I I've really am intrigued by that idea. Yeah, I'm still waiting. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm still waiting. I've, maybe I'm avoiding consciously, actually. <laughs> maybe that's a better way to describe what I'm doing. 
Okay, so rum and vodka runs from October 7th until the 9th, which is tomorrow? Yeah, Thursday, yeah. Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. And this is playing at the Dorothy Somerset Studio on Western Boulevard on the UBC campus. And uh, how much tickets? Uh, tickets are five for students. Mm-hmm. They're ten for adults. Um, you can go to uh, theater.ubc.ca mm-hmm. uh, to get all the information. And I think you can actually buy tickets online. And then... Uh, the play starts at 7.30. It's 70 minutes long. You can be at the pub by 9. Okay. Yeah. And um, and as you said, you can get tickets at theater.ubc.ca yeah. or at the door. You can well. definitely get them at the door, and I suspect that that'll be uh, just fine. Okay. Great. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming in and, and telling us about it here uh, in Studio Live. Thanks a lot for having me, man. Okay. So when we come back, we're going to try to take a break by playing a PS. Yes, we will do that. Um, and uh, when we return, we'll tell you about another theatrical event called uh, The Park, uh, which the Studio 58 is putting on. And uh, a little, little bit later, we'll also be giving tickets away to uh, 30 Live, which is a music series that is on tomorrow. It's a bi-weekly uh, live music event. And um, it's, a great, it's a great gig and it's a fun night out. And we have tickets to uh, the band. Uh, one of them is Chimpanzees and, and others. So we'll play you a sample and give away some tickets later on. But uh, stay with us. We'll have uh, the park and more. Cineworks Independent Filmmakers Society, Women in Film and Television, and Praxis Center for Screenwriters, in conjunction with the Vancouver International Film Festival, are pleased to present the 16th annual program of Meet the Filmmakers. This series of informal dialogues and insightful panels of filmmakers in conversation offers the unique chance to glimpse the creative process from behind the screen and through the eyes of some of contemporary cinema's most intriguing auteurs. October 8th at 3.30 p.m. features Sarah McIntyre, director of the fifth feature Two Indians Talking, in conversation with director Scott Swan. October 11th at 4 p.m. sees Aaron Katz, writer-director of the film Cold Weather, in conversation with Patricia Grubin, director of Praxis Center for Screenwriters. October 11th at 6 p.m., don't miss Amazon Falls director Katrin Bowen and Hilma Uardiri, director of Mukhtar, in a panel moderated by Carol Whiteman from Women in the Director's Chair. All Meet the Filmmakers sessions are free and open to the public. Join us in an intimate encounter with film. It's all happening at the Van City Theatre Atrium, 1181 Seymour Street. And we're back on the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM. My name is Adam Janusz, and I'd like to tell you about The Park, which is a musical comedy at Studio 58. Um... It takes place right here in Vancouver and uh, centers around Stanley Park. And it's a war of petitions between some kooky activists and a parking lot developer who wants to pave over the park and make tons of money. Uh, It's filled with love, betrayal, money, and other madness. So uh, Benjamin Elliott and Anton Lipovetsky came into our studios here at CITR, and um, they... Told me about um, told me about the show, and uh, as you'll hear near the end, you'll hear how it's um, how you'll get infected and what you'll get infected with if you come to the show. But uh, we started out um, by uh, Anton started by telling me about how the show is a battle for Stanley Park. It revolves around a battle, or the set the setting is Stanley Park, and uh, Gabe, a powerful developer, has set his sights on turning the park into a giant parking lot. And uh, against him is a passionate activist, Gina, 
and the battle is uh, a, a race to solicit support from Vancouver in a in a petition petition battle. Petition war. It's a petition war. And stuck in the middle of it all is uh, is John, the antihero. He's a he's a parks board employee, and uh, he gets tra entrapped with a love interest and betrayal and. Gets sucked into the the money that Gabe has and the fame that is this a tragedy? Uh, Very much not a tragedy. <laughs> doesn't sound like it. No, no, it's a, definitely a musical comedy, true to form musical comedy. Okay, and tell me about the uh, the genesis. How did uh, the idea for this come out, and how did it evolve? Uh, well, Anton and I were both uh, students at Studio Fifty Eight at Langara College, and Anton is still a student there. He's got uh, one term left. Um, and uh, we're both musicians, and so there's a piano in each room at studio, and we would just jam whenever we had a free t uh, free moment, uh, and which ended up us creating a song or two. Um, uh, Catherine Shaw, who's the artistic director of Studio 58, heard one of our songs and suggested that we submit uh, a musical, a one-act musical for Stu, which is the student-written festival uh, that Studio puts on, and we did. Uh, after well, we ended up grabbing uh, our friend Hannah Johnson, who also goes to the school, mm -hmm. and uh, she helped us a lot with building a narrative and, and creating a book, dialogue, and uh, it's a it's a big thing. This uh, our first musical, and so then you guys did it at Stu, and then so tell me uh, how has it evolved uh, from from that one act version to now? By making it a two act, we have to add an intermission, which uh, means that there is a certain. Uh, structure change that has to happen. So there has to be a cliffhanger at the end of the first act. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was great to get a second, also the, to get a second chance and, and use the things that worked and throw away right. things that That's didn't right. work. And so a bit of polishing here polishing. and there. And then we also added a lot of new songs. Okay. And and develop the characters even further so that yeah. their motivations make more sense. And yeah, yeah. Makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> Not so many random lines, but ones that actually drive the plot. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, um, to what extent is this show about Vancouver? Ninety-five percent. Yeah, yeah. It's a and so, uh, so I'm wondering what uh, what are some some of the things you say about our fair city, or, or you know, what kind of comments do you have? Well, for instance, some of the characters we have in the park are characters, people you would see in Stanley Park, the regulars. You know, you have the jogger, you have the Tai Chi lady, uh, you have the people very passionate about uh, nature and wildlife. Um, we even have a little bit of an ode to the leader of our fair city. The, the Gregor. The Gregor. In our Sir show, Gregor. In our show, he is titled the President of Vancouver. <laughs> why, why is that? Because Vancouver is somewhat of a nation unto itself. Yeah? We find that uh, people are very passionate about the city, mm -hmm. and uh, it's very unique. So would you say it's a nation unto itself because it, it's, it's sort, of, um, sort of larger than life in the sense that it has all these different... Um, you know, different conflicting characters and I'd like to types. think that we definitely we we we, sh we show our city as being larger than life in this musical. There's a lot of larger than life characters, and and it, and it, I, it feels true to what happens here. It feels it feels right. All right, and tell me about um, the uh, the drummer, or sorry, the drummer of said the whale, uh, Spencer Shoning is in, is involved. Yeah, well, Spencer, I, I I know Spencer from high school, and we used to do musicals together actually. He was the drummer there, and we've jammed together, and we played Battle of the Bands together in high school. And uh, I showed him uh, a song from our show, a recording, and and he loved it. And I said, I, I asked him very politely, and hoping that he would. <laughs> and uh, 
amazingly he had time off uh, from his band said the whale they're usually touring I mean they're crazy busy right mm -hmm. now but amazingly he had time off so he's with us every show uh, drumming for us and he's awesome it's and it's really added to the show itself because it? when we first did it as one act it was just Anton on guitar me on <laughs> piano and so there's a lot of foot stamping right right you know, <laughs> to keep everybody on on beat and uh, since we're adding the drummer it's just it's as a whole new heartbeat to the show. Yeah. All right. Cool. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Our hope that when people see the show as they'll walk away humming some of the catchy tunes. There's 22 songs and uh, they're going to get stuck in your head. I promise. Yes. Some earworms, if you will. That's the hope. <laughs> Um, so come see the park. You may be infected. You, you may. may. Hopefully you'll be infected. Yes. It's a good kind of infection. <laughs> Get your vaccines and come to the park. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys, for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. And that was Benjamin Elliott and Anton Lipovetsky, the musical directors and, and uh, part creators of uh, the park. The musical. Uh, okay, so that's at Studio 58, uh, which is, of course, at Langara College on West 49th Avenue. And uh, shows are running f until October 17th. And um, let's see, what can I tell you? Uh, they're at 8 p.m. from Tuesday till Saturday, every day. So basically every day except Monday. And there's matinees on the weekends at 3 p.m. So you can uh, catch a lovely midday show on Saturday or Sunday. And um, you should know that Tuesdays are 10 bucks, $10, which is a lovely discount. And uh, let's see here, Wednesday and Thursday, $18, Friday and Saturday, $22. And uh, you can find out this information that I'm giving you here in not a very organized manner. You can find it in a more organized manner at tickets-tonight.ca. Yeah, www.tickets-tonight.ca. All right, so we're going to take a break, and when we return, we're going to hear from uh, Haley Sales, and we'll talk about her creative juices uh, as well. We'll give um, those uh, tickets away to the chimpanzees uh, at 30 Live, which, is, which takes place on uh, Granville Street, Granville and Nelson, at the Forum. So um, stay with us. This song is going to sound excellent. It's going to sound tight. Discorder Magazine presents the Canadian premiere of For Once in My Life, playing at the 2010 Vancouver International Film Festival. This refreshingly candid film follows the spirit of the Goodwill Band, a group whose players cope with an array of disabilities, be it autism, cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, or blindness, as they work towards a performance in front of a thousand people at Miami's opulent Opera House. Their struggles are inherently dramatic and capably set the stage for a show-stopping finale. Don't miss For Once in My Life, playing Friday, October 1st at 10.45 a.m. at Pacific Cinema. Tech, Thursday, October 7th at 6.40 p.m. at Granville Empire 7, and Saturday, October 9th at noon, also at the Granville Empire 7. For tickets and more information, visit BIFF.org. We're back on the Arts Report. Haley Sales is a musician, um, and she is coming to the live sessions at, um, at the Chance Center here at UBC. Now, I, I talked to Haley, who was born in Washington, D.C., and somehow made her way to uh, Vancouver Island, where she lives now. And uh, in our interview, we, we talked about uh, traveling and how traveling uh, had an impact on her creative juices. And, um, and we also talked about the, uh, the challenge of being a, a touring artist on one hand and a passionate environmentalist on the other, and whether that works. So 
We started here with um, how she got here from Washington, D.C. to Vancouver Island. Pretty much my parents have, um, they've just moved around quite a bit, like starting when I was really young, we moved to Portland, Oregon, and then um, when I was 16, my dad found this blueberry farm on Vancouver Island and basically just decided to move. Mm-hmm. And I graduated from high school, like I, I finished a bunch of classes early so that I could come up and, you know, figure out what it was like to live on an island. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's pretty much how I arrived here. And I mean, it's it's an amazing home base. Like, you know, I get to walk outside and eat blueberries and then go into the recording studio and mm-hmm. and fly around the world and then come back. So it's, it's pretty amazing. Now, speaking of that, you, you do a lot of globe trotting. <laughs> Is that right? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Including like Australia and Japan and um, yeah. What does what does that add to um, your creative juices? You know what? I think traveling makes up in different ways for about ninety percent of my creative juices. And yeah. I know that sounds like a lot, but for me, when I'm traveling, it's a really amazing time to like find different perspectives on life and on people and the world and and how we're all related and whatnot, and and I find that's the most inspiring thing to me right now, and, and it was actually for this last album. So actually a lot of the songs on the last album are, are about traveling or about home and, and about things I've been discovering on the road and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now let me ask you about that album. It's <laughs> When the Bird Became a Book. Yeah, When the Bird Became a Book. Now what, is that, what does that mean? It's got several different meanings. <laughs> but I actually, the reason I really chose it is because it does make... Each, I think each person will probably take away something different from that title, mm-hmm. which is kind of what I hope people do from my album. So in a way, it's symbolic, but if you want to get down to like actually analyzing it... Mm-hmm. I do. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a beautiful image of almost like a, a storybook or something. When the bird became a book, Like it almost felt like a, a fairy tale or an adventure story or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that was one side of it. And then also I'm really... One of my, my biggest passions and concerns is the environment right now and and how we as humans are in, relating to it. And I thought it was a really neat image to picture a bird, which when you look at it in the horizon, it kind of looks like a, a book on mm-hmm. its side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I had this image of it becoming, you know, something we could learn from. So nature's really there and we should learn from it. So that's another meaning. You can choose cool. which one you like more. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. And um, I wonder about that now that your activism. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand you you were part of the the WTO protests in in Seattle. Yeah, way back in the day. Way I, back in the day. I was only eleven, but I was there, and I was <laughs> definitely as involved as I could be. <laughs> were you throwing things? Um, I wasn't so much throwing them. I was walking around with a video camera. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't quite at the stage where I'd be throwing things yet. So the environment is obviously a big one for you. What else gets you fired up? Really, every like, <laughs> I, really everything. Oh God, that doesn't sound good. No, I'd say, obviously the environment, and even more specifically, um, marine life and oceanic preservation. Because you know, I've I've always loved being in the water and surfing, and uh, I think. We take for granted the ocean in, in some ways in the whole environmental concern. And if the ocean goes, you know, re- really we don't have much left, much time left as humans. So I think that's really my biggest thing right now. But also, you know, before I signed with Universal, I was, I was actually packing my bags to go to India to volunteer for Child Haven at an orphanage. Mm-hmm. So I'm also really, I really find that an important thing to focus on too is actually the humanitarian side of things and and children especially. 
Um, there's being a, a recording artist and, and doing all the travel is obviously not not the greatest thing for the environment. You I know. know. Inherently, you know, there's no there's no way to avoid that. I, I suppose know, not well. yet. And um, so I wonder, is it is it possible to be sort of environmentally conscious and and make it in this business? <laughs> you know, I <laughs> say for most people, it's not. <laughs> yeah. But um, I I mean, obviously, I'm definitely not perfect, and unfortunately. Going to Australia, you know, five times a year <laughs> makes a massive carbon footprint. But I do always, I mean, simplest things is, you know, buying carbon offsets mm -hmm. every time I travel. Like, I know it doesn't do that much, but at least makes me feel a little bit, you know, better. Mm -hmm. And then also for me, I mean, I try and make up for it in other ways, you know, uh, trying to, you know, donate proceeds of a song to, you know, an organization or, or things like that, doing fundraisers and whatnot. That's, I mean, that's the best I can do right now and hopefully if I ever have lots of time and money I'll do something like Jack Johnson does where he you know he does everything with solar energy which really? is amazing so so there is a way there is a way it just requires time and unfortunately a lot of money which mm -hmm. is a little bit sad that it actually does require more money to be environmentally conscious so but, so the message is uh, come out to the channel on October 7th and help Haley sales um, get more money to save the world <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, well, thanks very much for your time today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And that was Haley Sales, who will be at the Chan Center at UBC for the last installment of live sessions and uh, an intimate uh, performance event hosted by the Chan. And that takes place Thursday, October 7th, which is tomorrow at 7 p.m. Not 8 p.m., 7 p.m. And tickets are $16 for adults, 10 bucks for students with valid ID. It's a great deal for students, 10 bucks. And you can get them through Ticketmaster.ca or in person at the Chan Center Ticket Office. And you can get more information at uh, ChanCenter.com for all the events that Chan uh, will be having. And of course, you can always uh, Google Haley Sales and, uh, and have a gander at, uh, at uh, her music. All right, so um, as promised, now is the time for a ticket giveaway. So um, this is for 30 Live, which is Vancouver's newest live music series promoting the city's best independent, unsigned acts. Uh, and so this, this week, um, they're moving to Thursdays. Uh, they had a few uh, Friday shows, but um, tomorrow, they at 8.30, doors open. Uh, the bands start about 10-ish, uh, and uh, tomorrow... The bands that will be featured include Chimpanzebras, not chimpanzees as I said before, I apologize, Chimpanzebras, in a common mistake, um, as well as Jasper, Sloan, Yip, and Kodiak Nightclub. And all three of those bands will be at The Forum, which is on the Granville Strip. It's approximately uh, Granville and Nelson, so right smack dab in the middle of Granville Street. And um, I've been to one of these shows last week, um, or sorry, the last show, yeah, that was two weeks ago, and uh, really had a good time. I'm not a rocker in, in any stretch of the imagination, but um, there was a lot of uh, a lot of people who just rocked out on the dance floor. There was, you know, it's 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 mainly a, a sports, um, you know, sports pub, 
but uh, when they bring up the live bands, they, they really rock it out. So we'd like to give you some tickets to this. Two tickets for tomorrow night at the forum to hear Chimpanzee Zebras, which, which you're hearing right now. So if you want these tickets, give me a call, would you? Uh, the phone number is 604-822-2487, which is 604-UBC-CITR on a phone with letters on it. That's 604-822-2487. So call me now. Anthropology displays long-term and visiting exhibits of indigenous art from around the world, and guided tours are free. Our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archaeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily, at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take-home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. The Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources. And we're back on the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM and CITR.ca. 
And up next, we have The Mad Woman of Shio, which is uh, a play going up by UBC Theatre at the Frederick Wood uh, Theatre. Now, this show is a grand and beautiful production of a French farce. And um, I had three uh, cast members come in, Andrew Lynch, Ben Whipple, and Megan Chanosky, and they came by to tell us about this play, which is about war, greed, love, loss, and uh, we'll talk about how it's still relevant today, 65 years after it was written during, uh, in France during the Second World War. Plus, um, at the end of the interview, they perform a scene from the play. So check it out. Uh, well, the play is called The Mad Woman of Chaillot. Really? Uh, it was here. Uh, it was written in uh, uh, wartime France, actually, during the German occupation. Uh, and it's a political satire about this, uh, this old woman who's kind of trapped in time. Uh, and she's trapped by love and loss in her past. And then these kind of... Uh, capitalist people start coming to her cafe and start talking about trying to find uh, something that's buried underneath Paris for business and and so calamity just kind of ensues when she takes it upon herself to deal with them. Well okay. done. <laughs> Not easy. And um, and tell me about some of the some of the themes that sort of percolate through the play. Um, things like greed mm-hmm. and and war. Expand on that a bit. Well, uh, the play greatly. Um, Greatly is about the uh, the effects of greed and how that's almost the root of all evil, which has been around for that that idea has been around for a long time mm-hmm. and is still very relevant today. As well, it plays on madness and um, what is madness and different mm-hmm. kinds of madness. There's the mad woman, quote unquote, and how she's mad and that she's stuck in her old world and keeps reliving the same things over and over again every day. She keeps reading the same article and I think she one of her lines from is, the 1800s. Yeah. And I think one of her lines even is, um, uh, oh, this poor woman used to live next door to me, and uh, it comes as a huge shock to me every time I read of her death in the morning. Uh, <laughs> and then there's also the madness of uh, the prospector who's willing to do horrible things and mm-hmm. destroy horrible things and kill many people just to get it oil. Mm-hmm. And they both call each other mad. And, and love. There's mm-hmm. always love. There's always love. The loss of love and what happens when you don't kind of snatch a moment. Mm-hmm. How you just get trapped in that wishing you could go back. And tell me, uh, Andrew, about uh, your character. Uh, tell me about um, his amazing uh, power. Well, he seems to have a, um, a cartoon-like ability that no real human would actually have, but in this world it makes perfect sense that he can, he can smell out oil deposits that are in water. <laughs> Uh, just like an ordinary tap water, if he's tw- if it's tw- if it's passed within the pipes twenty miles away, of the, the of touching oil, he mm-hmm. can he can sniff it out and then he can find the oil that way. And so in the play, he finds it. Then he finds it under Chaillot, which is a very old historical part of Paris. He finds that it's sitting in a on an ocean of oil, so he's willing to do horrible things just to get at it. <laughs> okay, and and Ben, when was the the play written? Uh, it was finished in 1946. Isn't that right? I think so. But it was finished, actually. The, the playwright, uh, Jean Girardot, <laughs> excuse okay. my French, it's not very good, um, he died before the war was even over, mm-hmm. before it, the play was ever even staged. But uh, the first production, I think, was in January or February of 1946. Hmm. And so what do you think people will, uh, will enjoy about it, uh, a play that's written so long ago? Well, first of all, it's still funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, people are still mad today. <laughs> um, but also... The element of uh, change, the daunting prospect of the future, and this play 
you have the madwoman who represents the old world and tradition, and you have the capitalists and the businessmen who come in and they radicalize everything, and she doesn't know how to react to it. Today, it's not much different. No one knows what's going to happen right now of, uh, of our future with uh, and oil, I mean, is still extremely <laughs> sort of in the exactly, forefront of, yeah. of the world. BP. <laughs> right. Okay, now, uh, okay, so you guys have a, a scene for us. Yeah. Uh, exactly. give, us, um, give us an idea of what's, what's happening in, this, in the scene. Well, um, I am the president. I own everything. <laughs> That's my character. But, uh, so yeah, so I was like a cartoon-like right, presidency, president right. of 11 corporations. Right, like. so I, I show up here in Paris... I have a tremendous capital. I have no... I, but what I'm looking for is a name to go on this board of directors. This company I'm trying to make has no name yet and no purpose. Mm -hmm. But the way I do business is I let everything come to me. I show up in this cafe with the Baroness here mm -hmm. because I want her name. So in some ways I'm seducing her. But at the same time, I see this man, the prospector. Mm -hmm. And there's something about his face that I just know is it's familiar i know it's going to lead me to something great all right well let's let's hear it <laughs> all right well i need a name i need fifty thousand for a corporation for a woman immediately before evening something unusual something provocative something practical yes fifty thousand cash i'm listening international substrate of paris inc that's it pay him off now, what does it mean? It means what it says. I'm a prospector. A prospector? Allow me to shake your hand. Baroness, you are in the presence of one of nature's noble men. Shake his hand. Baroness Domard. It is this man, my dear Baroness, who smells out in the bowels of the earth those deposits of metal or liquid upon which can be founded the only social unit of which our age is capable. The corporation. Please, take a seat. And now that we have a name... You need a property. Precisely. I have one. A claim. <laughs> Terrific. Foreign? French. In Indochina? Morocco? In France? In Paris. Paris! You've been prospecting in Paris? For women, no doubt. For art. For gold. Oil. Oil? Paris? He's crazy. Shh, he's inspired. <laughs> you think I'm crazy? They thought Columbus was crazy. Oil in Paris? But how is it possible? It's not only possible, it's certain. All right, that was Andrew Lynch, Ben Whipple, and Megan Chanosky doing a scene from The Mad Woman of Shio, which is still playing until October the 9th at the Frederick Wood Theatre. It starts at 7.30 p.m., and you can get tickets online at ubctheatre.universitytickets.com. And let's see, ticket prices are $22 for adults, $15 for seniors, and if you have groups of 10 or more, you get $2 off any adult or student uh, price. Uh, and there are no performances on Sundays, so uh, Monday through Saturday. Check that out. Okay, so we're going to go and take a break, and when we come back, we'll tell you about a show at the Cobalt coming up on Friday uh, that will include lovers, love, haters. At Dunkin' Donuts, each and every radio show is 
food fresh and served fresh at the peak of its flavor. If you're a tough customer, only the taste of this radio show will do. So go ahead, let Dunkin' Donuts make your radio experience exquisite. Indeed. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts, serving sweet treats from the pop underground. Thursdays, noon to one. All right, Lovers, Love, Haters is coming uh, Friday at 9.30 p.m. to the Cobalt. And our newest uh, music contributor, Sarah Lapsley, told us, uh, or sorry, spoke to uh, Deb from uh, the band, and um, they had a lovely uh, chat. So here's that. Okay, this is Sarah from CITR 101.9 FM, and I'm here for, with Deborah Cohen. Tell us a bit about the EP that you put out. Um, I put an EP out, it's been out for already a good year, time flies. Um, I don't think too many people know about it, so um, you could kind of look it up. I have a MySpace page if you want to listen to the music and decide whether or not you like it or not, and if you do, you should go out and buy the EP. Um, and you used to be in the mint band, The Organ, is that right? And you play guitar, right, in The Organ? Yes, I did play guitar in the organ. But you don't play guitar in Lovers Love Haters. No, I'm just singing because I can't play instruments and sing at the same time because they just do completely different things and it's kind of confusing and it's, mm -hmm. it's difficult. But on the EP that you recorded, you actually uh, wrote all the parts for all the instruments and played all the instruments, is that right? I did. Um, I got a, On a couple of songs, I got a little bit of help with some friends. Um, one of the songs, actually, one of my friends wrote all the lyrics for, which was Skin and Bones. He kind of wrote it for my perspective specifically because, like, something that I would relate to so I can sing it and actually not have a blank, not have blank feelings towards it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he did that. And, um, yeah, my friend Todd, he wrote some guitar parts for a couple other songs and... Yeah, but I basically wrote everything else myself. And you're very fortunate in that you have a fantastic Vancouver backing band, but you also have your own band in Toronto, and you were out there for a few months this year. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, I am lucky. I have some friends that I play with in Toronto. Um, I guess they just really like playing shows. They all play in um, different bands in Toronto. Um, one of them is called Green Splat. My friend Dario and Christina, um, who play guitar and keyboards, they have that's their own separate band. Um, yeah, they play guitar and keyboards for me. And then, um, who else? My friend Holly. She plays she plays bass in a whole bunch of different projects, and she actually she plays stand up bass as well. Um, and that's really cool. She's going to music school, and same with Andy, who plays drums. He's went to school for percussion and drumming so they're all really good musicians that have been well trained and yeah they just really enjoy it so that's fun good. so what do you plan to do next with lovers love haters that's a good question um right now i'm writing new songs um i have a bunch of stuff that needs to be put together which takes ages so it'll probably if I'm going to be honest here, it's probably going to be another year before I have a whole s set of new songs. And then 
My goal is to tour Europe next. I'm kind of gonna dismiss Canada if I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm actually, that's the smart thing to do. I'm gonna be honest about that. So you'd rather tour Europe and hope to get a market for your music there? That's right. Excellent. Well, we're here at Guilt and Company, an amazing venue down in Gastown at 1 Alexander Street. And they have beautiful stone walls and good food and good drinks. And um, I'm with Deborah from Lovers Love Haters. And you are, Deborah, what station are you on? I'm on CITR 101.9 FM. 101.9 FM. Thanks, Deborah. That was nice talking to you. And that was uh, Sarah talking to Deborah Cohen of uh, Lovers Love Haters, who will be doing a show with No More Strangers, my friend Wallace, and O. Wells at 9.30 p.m. on October 8th, which is Friday night at the Cobalt. And now we'll hear a tune from Lovers, Lovers Love Haters. Yeah, and this one's called uh, Stop Me.
UnionEvents.com presents Jello Biafra and the Guantanamo School of Medicine with Subhumans and Fuel Injected 45, Saturday, October 16th at the Rickshaw Theater. Formerly of the Dead Kennedys, legendary musician, poet, and activist Jello Biafra returns to Vancouver with his new band, whose sound retains some of the spy music on meth chaos of the Dead Kennedys, while adding a healthy dose of Detroit-style proto-punk mixed with layers of sonic guitar noise. Door time is 7 p.m. That's Jello Biafra and the Guantanamo School of Medicine, Saturday, October 16th at the Rickshaw Theater. For tickets and information, visit unionevents.com. And we're back on the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. Uh, now, there, I want to tell you about a show, an art show, uh, that's going on until October 9th at, uh, here at the UBC. It, it's by the UBC Visual Arts Faculty, and it's at Kerner Library here at UBC, which is on the main mall, 1958 main mall. And um, this is kind of cool because it's, uh, this is an opportunity for the faculty to show their work and sort of open their doors to students and really uh, anyone who wants to see it and sort of give um, give everyone an idea of what the faculty is doing, you know, artistically, so that it's not just about, um, you know, listen to me, I'm a teacher, I know everything, do as I do, but, you know, see, have a look at my art and um, and make up your own mind. And uh, so, so, yeah, check it out. They're, um, as I said, it's going on until... October uh, the 9th, and it's located in uh, the library gallery, which is, which is room 112. It's on the uh, sort of the basement floor of uh, Kerner Library on uh, the main mall uh, at UBC. And if you want more information, you can go to www.ahva, which stands for Art History Visual Arts. Yes. Okay. I just thought that up on my, by myself. Uh, .ubc.ca. Um, ahva.ubc.ca and you'll get to see um, their artwork. Okay. Now um, we have one more uh, thing to show you and uh, this is a review. This comes from Zach Rothman who is a arts report uh, reviewer, film film critic extraordinaire and he'll be telling, of us, uh, telling us about the opening night film at uh, the Vancouver International Film Festival, which was Barney's version. So let's, uh, let's hear that. Here it comes. Yeah. Okay, so it looks like we don't have that, that clip for some reason. Um, maybe, should we try to open it up in, uh, no, we won't. Okay, so we're going to take, uh, take one more, uh, commercial break, and, uh, then I'll give you a couple more, um, announcements, and, um, that'll be the end of the show. We'll pl also, uh, play one more song from, uh, Tomorrow's 30 Live, uh, concert. We'll, uh, we'll play a bit of, uh, Jasper Sloan Yeep. So, um, stick with us. Find Sonic Promotions is proud to present Next Music from Tokyo, Volume 2, Thursday, October 14th at the Biltmore Cabaret, featuring Mass of the Fermenting Dregs, Sargent, Unnellies, and Susquatch. Next Music from Tokyo is a series of tours bringing Japanese bands to Canada with the aim of showcasing the country's diverse indie and underground rock scenes, saving us the hassle of flying to Japan. 
So don't miss Next Music from Tokyo, Volume 2, featuring Mass of the Fermenting Dregs, Sargent, Unnellies, and Sasquatch. Thursday, October 14th at the Biltmore Cabaret. Doors at 8 o'clock, show at 9. Tickets are only $10 if you purchased in advance from ticketweb.ca. All right. Uh, let me tell you about a couple of things uh, coming up. Uh, today at 12 noon, uh, Glenn Lewis, uh, an artist um, who's been working since uh, the 60s, um, since 1968, uh, when he did uh, a sort of... I don't know how to explain it, but he did a thing um, called 400 Yards of Paper. And what this was was a huge roll of paper in 1968 in Calgary that uh, he set on fire. Yeah, that's, um, that's right. He set it on fire. God knows why. And um, so 40 years... I shouldn't say God knows why. But uh, many, many years later in 2010, he has brought uh, this burning paper to Spanish banks uh, here in Vancouver. And um, our visual art correspondent, uh, Anna, went down there today at noon and uh, is working on a report for us that will air next week. And um, I can give you a little preview, which is that they, they did it um, at the edge of the water and um, the paper got wet and uh, did not ignite. Um, so we'll, um, she will speak to, to the artist himself, Glenn Lewis, who's also doing a, a show which we'll tell you about uh, next week, an art show in Vancouver to celebrate his uh, his many years. It's a retrospective. It's a look back at his work. That's why he's setting the fire uh, paper on fire again. It's sort of like um, a trip down memory lane in honor of the show that um, that he did many years ago. So um, yeah, so so uh, stay tuned for that uh, next week. Um, all right. So I think we've we're going to try again with that um, that um, review of Barney's version. Uh, which was the opening night film at VIF. Here we go. Starts in four seconds. This week I checked out Barney's version, the opening night film of the Vancouver International Film Festival. The film is from producer Robert Lantos, responsible for a lot of television, good and bad, and for such recent films as David Cronenberg's Eastern Promises, amongst about a gazillion others. It's directed by Richard J. Lewis, who's also responsible for a lot of TV, and well known for 1994's Whale Music, his adaptation of Paul Corrington's Governor General's award-winning novel. Well, he's at it again. Adapting Canadian novels, that is, and most of you don't need me to tell you that Barney's version was Mordecai Rickler's final prize-winning novel. So what's it about? Well, Barney Panofsky, played by Paul Giamatti, is a seemingly ordinary man who lives an extraordinary life. He's a hard-drinking Montreal TV producer whose unwittingly epic life spans four decades and two continents, includes three wives, Rosamund Pike, Minnie Driver, and Rochelle Lefebvre, and one outrageous father, played by Dustin Hoffman. It's a story about personal choices, love gained and love lost, and the search for redemption while all the while life's clock is tick, tick, ticking down. The film is delightful, with actors so impeccably cast, Paul Giamatti as Barney, a man who despite being a 65-year-old in a 20, 
30, 40, 50, and 60-year-old man's body who seems to really know how to live. Dustin Hoffman plays his ex-cop dad, need I say more? You can't help but help. You can't help, sorry, but spending most of the film holding your guts, laughing them out. And despite a handful of moments that are overplayed and overdramatized, years of producing and directing television has its ill effects, the film is a joy to watch. It's a fitting opening film and oh so much better than last year's film, which will remain nameless. Barney's version is terrific. Go see it. For CITR, I'm Zach Rothman. That was Zach Rothman. And he was our uh, review critic. Now, VIF is um, is still going on until uh, next week. So still plenty of films to catch, including some shorts. Um, there are four separate programs of short Canadian shorts, um, including Amnesia, Mood Swings, Acquired Traits, and Insomnia. And if you look any of those up in the catalog, you can get all the, uh, the details and, uh, and show times. Uh, we'll still have uh, some reviews, or sorry, some interviews on the Film Fest uh, next week for a couple of shows that are on Wednesday and, um, and Thursday. So still plenty of VIF coverage. Um, definitely uh, check it out. I'm seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of queuing going on on Granville. Um, for the festival, so it's definitely um, it's definitely the thing to do right now in Vancouver. So check it out. Uh, I think that's it for me. We're going to leave you with uh, a song from Jasper Sloan Yip, and he will be at the Forum on Granville Street on uh, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, doors open at eight thirty. Um, check out our subscribe to our podcast. If, if you liked the show, there's more. You can get that at the CITR website, citr.ca, under the tab that says Shows. There's a button that says Podcasts, and you can go from there, and you'll find the Arts Report, and you can subscribe, and it will fall into your, your um, mailbox um, every week. Thanks for listening. Till next week. Take me to the